When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A lot of thoughts around Mon Conti and her win in the best and fairest, the AFLW count last night. Scotty's a great man. Scotty in Tigerland's most dominant season by a player in AFL best and fairest Brownlow history. Mon Conti, 23 votes, which is 50.6 votes translated to a 22-game season. Next best, Dusty, 36 in 2017 and Wines, 36 in 2021. And good morning, Jared and Sarah. What an amazing evening of AFLW awards. Over the moon that Mon won the best and fairest. Go Tigers! We will miss Nicole Livingston. She's played a monumental role in the setup of AFLW. Do you or Sarah know what she's doing next or who her likely replacement is? And in Parkerville, we will get to that as we go. Sarah Ollie, afl.com.au, guides us through an AFLW season that reaches its climax this week. Hello to you, Sarah. Good morning, Jared. I tell you what, when you put it like that, 50.6 votes. What a season indeed from Mon Conti. Such a worthy winner last night and another fantastic W Awards, which just has its own sensibility and feel. The girls, they get a bit rogue, but it is such a fun occasion. Uh, It's wildly different to the Brownlow in the best possible (laughs) way, I think, Sarah. It makes us all look a bit po-faced on Brownlow night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the girls love the camera on them. They ham it up every time someone gets a vote. They're cheering. They're screaming. I mean, I loved last night seeing Zali Goldsworthy, the rising star from the Giants, get up there. And, you know, she's just so frank. She says, I'm starstruck by Harry Sheasel. She was speaking about how growing up she was a, a Hawthorne supporter. And Sarah asked her, oh, well, who did, who did you idolise? And she goes, Matt Spanger. (laughs) These girls just have um, so much fun. They're so organic. Uh, They really lean into the occasion. And you're right, it is nothing like the Brownlow, and I bloody love it for that. Yes, yes. All right, so there, there are a few things from the count. Maybe before we get to the count, Emma Carney's streak of all Australians continues to eight. Now, th- this is legendary stuff in the formative years of the competition. Well, the only player to earn all Australian honours in every year of AFLW. Emma Carney is an absolute champion who started at the Western Bulldogs, has moved over to the Kangaroos, where now as a 34-year-old, she is their captain, hoping to add another flag to her mantle. She's a league best and fairest, and now she can be added in the same breath as players like Lance Franklin, Gary Ablett Jr., Patrick Dangerfield, Robert Harvey, and Mark Rusciuto when it comes to eight All-Australian Blazers. It is quite remarkable. And, and just on the topic of Blazers, they actually got them last night, yeah. Jared, which was a nice touch uh, to the occasion as well. Were there any particular surprises for you and the All-Australians uh, team? Uh, maybe not surprises, but 
I like seeing that there were two pure wings there, Sophie Conway and Neve Kelly. We don't tend to see that when it comes to the All-Australian men's side. And I also thought that Ali Morfitt, the young swan who uh, earned the All-Australian Ruck honours, uh, perhaps wasn't a surprise, but she did miss the last three rounds of the season because of a hand injury. So I guess that shows uh, just what a compelling body of work she put together before that. Mon Conti's place, so runaway winner, seven-vote margin, uh, and look the winner from a long way out. 23-year-old, best player on the field in the grand final as a teenager, league best and fairest now, uh, and Swamp put up those numbers that has polled the most votes in the competition's history now in the, the B&F count. Um, and the charm of being the dual sports athlete, which I've always thought those hold such a place in our imagination, um, yeah, what 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 were your reflections on Conti's win? Well, she polled 20 of 24 votes in the opening eight rounds. So it's as convincing as a win as you're going to get. I mean, with two rounds to go, she had the award sewn up. And as you say, the dual sport athlete, there is something really remarkable about that. I mean... At the weekend, she was playing for the Melbourne Boomers and on Monday night, she's accepting this award. And she's only 23, Jared. I mean, really, she's still a baby and putting together this incredible CV, as you alluded to, a premiership player, best on ground for the Dogs in 2018, an AFLPA MVP in Season 7, five times an All-Australian and five times a Best and Fairest winner. In fact, she's the only... Richmond player to win a best and fairest when it comes to the AFLW side of things. And I don't even think we've seen the best of Mon, which is incredible. And who knows if she'll continue to go down the track of, of doing both sports. She was saying last night that she doesn't like to look too far ahead of herself. She said, I don't have a diary. I don't really make that many plans, but I'm having fun doing what I'm doing, playing both sports. And it's working for her, Jerry. You've got to say, it is working for her. It, it is. And it, it the charm of it, um, so there, there's sort of that old world charm, and this is the dawn of the era, the era of professionalism. So to do both at the same time rather than leave one sport and go to the other, is do you, do you imagine that that becomes rarer and rarer as these years go on? I think it will. And I think also the length of season will dictate that. We know that in the coming years, the AFLW season is going to be longer. And when it does get to a full complement of games, it might be almost impossible to do both. But for now, she's navigating that path, playing for the Boomers and also playing for the Tigers. And Mom pointed out Erin Phillips in the room, who she grew up idolising. And of course, Erin Phillips is is the dual sport athlete when it comes to basketball and Aussie rules. So for the time being, I think someone like Mon Conti can definitely navigate that path, but it's only going to become harder as professionalism within AFLW grows. Yeah, it's going to be such a big part of the way she's regarded as the years go on. Was it a surprise she was such a runaway winner to you, Sarah? Um, well, Richmond hadn't an injury-interrupted season. So they didn't win a stack of games. So perhaps that was a surprise. But, I mean, if you look at her stats, she had the most clearances of any player, still averaging 28.5 disposals and almost six tackles 
per game. It was an incredible individual season. I think maybe the surprise for me, and I don't think listeners of this segment will be surprised to hear me say this, was that uh, Jasmine Garner just once again was not really in the count ever. I mean, she received the perfect 10 votes in five matches from the coaches, but it took until round nine to get the perfect three from the umpires. And by then, Monconti had already sewn up the award. Jazzy, she finishes on, on 14 votes. And when she did get that first three, Jared, in the room, there was almost a bit of a Bronx cheer. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and Ebony, Ebony Marinoff had been interviewed probably maybe a third of the way through the count. And even she pointed it out, oh, well, Jazzy's not polling really that much already. So I guess it shows that she is just so loved and admired and respected by her peers. But yeah, it did surprise me that perhaps she wasn't really close in the end, finishing on 14 votes. And actually, it was one of her teammates in Ash Riddell who finished on 16 votes, equal second with Amy McDonald, Claudia Whitford and Chloe Malloy. So I guess it also shows Jazzy's coming from a team that is making the grand final. There are other great players there. We've seen this in the past. They tend to take votes off each other and it happened again. Yes, but only in the eyes of the umpire. So your Ghana, some attention for Jazzy campaign seemed to be successful across the landscape bar the umpires. <laughs> what is, does anyone have a prevailing theory on it? Because oh, she is the player looking. that the umpires are missing year on year. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I thought maybe this year it wouldn't be the case. Um, and we were speaking last night about it and some people were saying maybe it's just because she doesn't really do anything that flashy, but she does. She's a goal kicker. So Jazzy should be garnering that attention in the eyes of the umpires. Perhaps it's, I'm not sure if it's asking too much of umpires to vote for this kind of award. I mean, many questioned whether or not they'd got it right this year with, with Lockie Neal, but that's been the role of the umpires. I guess what it shows is that people do see the game differently. I'm just hoping in the future that they begin to see Jazzy for the champion that she is. Because as you say, she's recognised by the coaches now two years in a row as the best player in the league. And you got the sense from being in the room last night that many players in there believe that she's certainly, if not the best, certainly in the best couple. So it is strange, Jared. Uh, what do you think? Is there a solution to it or do we just have to accept that perhaps we need to look at all of the awards in totality and that the best and fairest, the league best and fairest, isn't what we may hold it to be? What do uh, you think? No, so I think I, I, this is different to the Brownlow discussion. So there are quirks involved with the umpire's votes and I don't really have any time for the Brownlow discussion uh, around it, I think the umpires do a pretty remarkable job, and there are there are what are perceived to be errors from time to time. This, I feel like this is a little bit different, and it owes to the formative years of a competition. It owes to a player who doesn't have distinguishing features. So I worry, mm. Sarah, that it's not a lack of recognition in the way that she plays; it's a lack of recognition as to who she is as the action goes, and that. So th that would be my – I think this is a vastly different com uh, conversation to what happens around the Brownlow. And part of me wonders whether the umpires can 
can recognize can actually recognize visually recognize her in real time out on the field. Well, and Ash Riddell and Jasmine Garner are both midfielders with brown hair. And maybe you're right. Maybe there is an inability to recognise who is who. I mean, we've been saying facetiously, maybe Jazzy should get some pink boots or put, you know, a colourful ribbon in her hair. But those distinguishing uh, traits or features or attributes, I think, do help pique the umpire's interest or at least attach uh, a ribbon or, or boots to who that player is. So maybe it is a, a broader issue. I'm not really sure the way around it, though, Jared, because as we know, there's there's already a dearth of umpires, and these umpires are, I guess, secondary again to the ones umpiring the AFL. And it is a difficult game to umpire. And then on top of that, at the end of it, they've got to work out who they're giving the votes to. So maybe we just need that fluoro scrunchie in her hair, Jared. Yes, yes, maybe something. So what do you think the top 10 told us about where the evolution of the competition is? Conti, 23-year-old at the top, Riddell, Amy McDonald from Geelong, Chloe Malloy, who in many ways is the face of the competition right now, Claudia Whitford, Bonnie Too, good out of Essendon, Georgie Prasparkas, uh, Jazzy Garner, Ali Anderson and Hatchard. What does that top 10 tell us about the comp? Well, there are some young names coming through when you think of Claudia Whitford, the Suns uh, midfielder, Chloe Malloy and Bonnie Toogood. I mean, it's nice to see some some forwards poll well. And Chloe was remarkable, really. And there was a bit of discussion before the awards just how many votes she would get because in the Coaches Association, it was her teammate, Laura Gardner, who finished second behind Jazzy. But Chloe was polling threes pretty much every time the Swans won and it shows what an incredible season she had as co-captain this year. But there are some really young names there. Georgie Prasparkas, of course. Her sister Maddie is a league best and fairest. And I see Georgie as being just that in the future. But she might have a few issues with her own teammates stealing votes off her because Amy McDonald is one of those. And of course, Nina Morrison, a former number one pick who we were lauding last week, is also going to do just that. But I think what we're seeing from that top 10 is the evolution of of these girls, Jared, who are coming through, who have come through the pathways, who have played footy, you know, since they could walk. So I think that's really exciting for the competition that we're seeing some new names and certainly some stars of the future. Our AFLW segment for MEGT, helping women kick their career goals in the trade industry. Sarah Ollie from afl.com.au. We will turn our attention to the looming grand final next. Melbourne's weather, a shower to a top of 25 for City Power, supplying homes to the CBD and inner suburbs. Brisbane are through to another grand final. They beat Geelong by four points. In yet another extraordinary display of AFLW. And North Melbourne are in their first AFLW grand final. The Kangaroos eliminate the three-time champs and now only Brisbane stand in their way. 
The grand finals set for Sunday, sold out in a matter of hours yesterday. Our AFLW segment for MEGT, MEGT Women in Trades. Advance your workforce with female tradie power. Visit megt.com.au. Sarah Ollie, two thrillers in the preliminary finals, adding to what has been a quite remarkable final series. Hasn't it just? We have been so lucky with the finals in, in season eight and the Cats just falling short by four points and then the Crows just by one. It was thrilling to watch. You couldn't really look away and I agree with you. We've been so lucky with the finals and I'm so excited for North Melbourne into their maiden grand final. And as for the Brisbane Lions, they are a model of consistency into their fifth grand final from eight seasons. It's not bad, Jared. No, not bad at all. So the Lions, uh, Dakota Davidson was the concern out of the game. Uh, will she play? Well, the Lions have come out and say that she will train fully later this week and that she is a chance to play. Of course, she ended the game on the weekend on the bench with a knee injury. She looked devastated and, and distraught and you thought, oh, she's done the ACL here. Well, the Lions have since come out and said that is not the case. But whether or not they can play her remains to be seen. And it is a big call because, of course, with the Lions losing Jesse Wardlaw to St Kilda, Dakota Davidson has been front and centre of their forward line. She's such a big presence and she's uh, such a handful for oppositions. And if she's not available to play... I mean, that could decide the game because the Lions threw Shannon Campbell forward when Davidson was on the bench late against the Cats. She goes on to kick the winning goal remarkably, but I just think in the way that North's forward line structure up, they're so tall that Shannon Campbell is going to be needed in defence. So a massive watch on Dakota Davidson. It could have a big say in who wins the grand final. Is Icon Park, is Princess Park the right venue for it, Sarah? I mean, I think it is. I mean, this is, you know, steeped in AFLW history. Of course, Icon Park is where we saw the first ever AFLW match many moons ago now when it was indeed sold out and we had the then CEO, Gillian McLaughlin, having to go outside and tell people he couldn't get it in. I'm so sorry. Um, so I like, I do like this venue. And as you said off the top, tickets already sold out. So we're going to have, I think, twelve to 13,000 there at Icon Park, which will make for a really incredible afternoon. And I'm happy with it being there if it's going to be full. And it looks like it is. What are you, what's your leaning, um, knowing that you can change your mind between now and Sunday? <laughs> and I will. Thank you, Jared. I'll probably <laughs> change several times. Um, look, it's tough because the Lions, despite entering their fifth grand final they've only won one and so should they go one and four that ledger just doesn't seem correct but north seem to be the feel-good story and after last night i really feel like it's going to be a north melbourne win and jasmine garner will be handed that best on ground medal by aaron phillips that is my gut feeling (laughs) at the moment jared but who knows? It's only Tuesday. Plenty of time to vacillate until then. Do you have an inkling? Uh, no, no. I defer to your good knowledge. <laughs> on the, I, What I loved was North Melbourne's contested marking inside 50, which that felt to me like 
that's the most dominant display of forward half marking knife seen in my time watching it. That that what you know may, maybe that isn't the the facet that decides grand finals, but that is a, a separator. That's a point of difference. And um, had Talia Randall, you know, she probably should have kicked two more goals than she did. Is that yeah. would have been a much more comfortable victory? Let, I just want to share before we part ways here, Sarah. Let me. There's a heap of feedback around the count last night on a whole lot of fronts. So let me share some of it with you. Ross, Mon Conti is the most dynamic, fast, skillful player in the comp. She looks a footballer and attracts the votes. Garner, this is from Steph. Garner is a great player, but you don't notice her dominating when watching games. Yes, she gets a lot of the ball and statistically gets great numbers, but when when watching both on TV and at the ground, you actually don't notice her possessions. Dom, how can you not notice a dominant player who's so prominent centre forward with so much time, ball in hand? Garner, to my eye, stands out above all of her stellar teammates. Um, it's patently obvious that Jazz Garner's main problem is that she is such a humble, introverted, 100% team player. She doesn't even go over the top celebrating kicking another goal. Commentators don't give her any of the hype others get. That's Dennis in Coolaroo. Ash Riddell is more of the grunt player, so gets the umpire's attention more. Conti is the best in the comp by a mile. Garner got the vote she deserves. That's from Steve. Um, and, oh, and Jason from Hobart, did you notice how often the club logos were wrong on the W awards telecast last night? It happened constantly right through the telecast. At first it was funny, but then became very annoying. There's no way they would let that happen at the Brownlow, Jason from Hobart. So there's a cross section of thoughts from people who watch the count and who have been watching the season unfold as to why the, the Ghana campaign didn't quite work. Maybe next year, Jared, we're going to have to come back and, and do it all again and get Jazzy across the line. But that doesn't take anything away from the incredible season of Monconti. And I've described her as being the dancing tiger. And, you know, some of the comments there allude to that. She is mesmerizing and hard to take your eyes off her when you're watching her. So a very deserving winner indeed, a runaway winner. And just at 23, what a player. Sarah, big thanks for guiding us through this AFLW season. I appreciate it enormously and love our chats. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jared. Sarah Ollie, afl.com.au. Hey, James, this is a rhetorical question. How would you go without a diary, Jared? <laughs> totally hopeless, James, but you knew that before you're asking. And then this, I do not understand this at all. What a joke, Jared. This load of crap proves the anti-Melbourne Demons agenda at all AFL levels, and it seems to be headed by your radio station. I don't think we've said a word about Melbourne, but um, there you go. Here's Nathan in the newsroom.